The year is 2000. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Charlotte. And this is My Marvelous Year. comics from its origins to today we have made it today to the year 2000 after starting in 1961 we're about four decades deep starting the new millennium we've got some very exciting comics to talk about today we're gonna Sorry, talk Dave, about it's called the new willennium the new willennium you're right we got to get back in the mindset of early 2000 um, i was trying to think if there was a song that summarized the year 2000 the way that you know, Prince's 1999, obviously. I, the, the Dre album, 2001, actually comes out in 1999. So I was like, oh, we just bypassed 2000 entirely. <laughs> uh, but we are here. We are here in the millennium. I, although, in present day, like, certainly, like, 2022 is, like, when the millennium ended, right? Mm, oh, like it ha- yeah. That has to be the end. I mean, like, it's so it actually didn't make it. Everyone agrees the moment Chris Rock got slapped, the Willennium ended abruptly. That was the That's first what response. The millennium is okay. <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> it's crazy he's been that famous that like that came before I think probably before Charlotte was born, the Willennium. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, he's he's been huge for a while. Um let's do this. We're gonna talk about Centric. We're gonna talk about Marvel Boy. We're gonna talk about Marvel Knights. These are three super fascinating comics to talk about. I'm Dave. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com. You may have just heard, we actually had, I, I was, I thought today I was only going to be talking to an individual with the Cree superpowers of a cockroach. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be Charlotte Fierro coming in with the, with the cockroach abilities. How's it going, Charlotte? How, how's the, like, what does that mean to have the abilities of a cockroach? Like, what does that mean for you specifically? It's really. I just woke up one morning and I I was a full on cockroach. Like that. That's what they mean when they say they have the the powers and abilities of a, cockro- a cockroach. I'm just a, a human sized cockroach now. Just which actual is, transformation yeah. into which is, a which human is nice. Cockroach. Like I get yeah. all the looks uh, when I go out. That's it. Totally suits you because I've always been like, oh yeah, Charlotte, big BCE, big cockroach energy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank I you asked that. my wife. Probably once a week, would you still love me if I was a cockroach? And she always says no, and it always hurts. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts every single time. And you're not asking in a jokey tone of voice. You're asking in a desperately sad, pleading tone of voice. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I know it's coming. It's coming, yeah. yeah. Yeah, when you work with someone who has turned into a cockroach, <laughs> that feels very real. Absolutely. And then she uh, turns on the light, and you run scurrying from the room. <laughs> totally uh we're also joined today we we got a surprise call here um and of course you've heard them uh this is an individual wearing um what can only be described as exterminatrix cosplay mm-hmm. uh i wish it was it's more revealing than i think maybe anyone should be comfortable with but you know what i'm i'm proud of you that you're pulling it off good job exacting how's it going zach good 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 um yeah, I'm sorry about all the the noise of leather rubbing together you'll be hearing <laughs> through the rest of this episode. I'm going to try to stay stock still. 
so that uh, that doesn't get too distracting. Do you know the game Balderdash? Do either of you know that game? I do, yeah. I played that a couple weeks ago with my family, and this is just a complete diversion off this. Uh, and, and all of you were wearing leather. <laughs> and all my family, we were all in our, uh, our leather daddy garb, yeah. as our family does. Um, my mother did... So, the, the idea of Balderdash, if people don't know, is that there's an obscure word right out to the group and then everybody writes a fake definition secretly you mix them together and then everyone votes on which one they think is real the real ones mixed in so you have to in their like very obscure like dead words often um so the word was gubernatrix uh which uh it and I'm, i'm pretty good at this game my mother wrote the most incredible fake definition for this which i'm still like i'm thinking about all the time uh which is she wrote a non-sexual dominant partner, which like that's invented really good. That's an really idea good, that yeah. I haven't heard of. <laughs> I was like, well, I've never even thought of that. But like, is that a is that a thing? And if it's not, like, is there a word for that? So, listeners, if you know, <laughs> if there's a, a non-sexual dominant sub thing out there, if you can let me know, I'm very curious. But like, uh, yeah, gubernatrix. Uh, when you said that about dominatrix, it made me think of that, and I wanted to share that because it was such a good, <laughs> good balderdash round with that. I feel like Lady Death is a good gubernatrix to Thanos. I think it's sexual for Thanos. It's it's sexual for him, but not yeah. for her. Yeah, it means female politician, by the way. Just so that not. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's just like a female. What I a think bizarre a governor yeah. specifically. Who who decided that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I think for this year's gubernatrix, try rolling that one out in casual conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Morrison. We're our fr- oh, not our first Morrison. I was going to say our first Morrison. I, I think our first... Our first solo Morrison. Morrison. Morrison? First Morrison that feels like what you think Morrison yeah. is like. Um, I, I just, guys, I'm going to... probably going to mess up pronouns. They go by they, them. I'm going to try to keep it right uh but i'm gonna if i if i slip up i apologize yeah if we uh, if we i am miss, i'm keeping it in mind and yep. uh and and course correct and you yep. know, apologies yep. uh, if it happens certainly but yeah we use the they them pronouns yeah, exactly. for, for grant that they have requested uh but okay so we're gonna talk about that you want to talk about that first are we talking about graham morrison jg jones marvel boy or are we gonna talk about paul jenkins uh jay lee century on the list. we'll start century yeah. i love that start with starting century. starting with talking about marvel knights isn't even an option we have to get out the good ones first <laughs> yeah. yeah so we're in the, we're formally in the marvel knights era of course this all began late 1998 um of course this was kickstarted co-created by joe quesada and jimmy palmiati brought into a struggling marvel to basically say like hey please make us some good comics please make us some good comics that will sell and uh, and they did that, and it was was hugely influential in rejuvenating Marvel. And now we're getting, I mean, this this is frankly a fascinating glimpse into what Marvel Knights could be because these three entries, you have a new character with a whole like crazy concept, another new character with a Grant Morrison story, and then a team up of like all the Marvel Street heroes, right? So you get three very different directions about like what Marvel Knights can be. I think the first two, Century and Marvel Boy, really successfully and intriguingly sort of summarize the potential of this line and why I'm such a fan. You know, just in terms of like, hey, we're going to get creators that we trust, writers and artists. We're going to let them do their things. And basically, you know what Jimmy Palmiotti told me in the interview we did here, which will air on MMY and, and hopefully you can listen to, is um, basically like, we were like, yeah, just like make a movie. Right? Like, like all, like, five, six issues will tell, like, one movie, you know? So as opposed to the ongoing 
back and forth sort of traditional never ending story of superhero comics, it was more cinematic in its efforts, which I think is very much the the movement and the progression of superhero comics through things like Born Ellis and Brian Hitch on The Authority, through the ultimate line of comics, right? That is that is kind of the era and the style that we're in. And for these comics, it often works very well and very interestingly. Now, Sentry. We got Paul Jenkins, Jay Lee. They did the Inhumans 12 issues, which I love. Those are some of my favorite first Marvel comics that I ever read. Sentry's got a whole fascinating backstory and promo. But before we do that, I just want to ask, like, as a story, as a narrative, Zach and Charlotte, had you read this before? And what did you think about reading it now? Charlotte, you can go first. I'd, I'd never read the actual Sentry series before, but I know about Sentry and what his deal is because he's going to be everywhere for for a while. Um, uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, I think I, I think it was very interesting. I think, for me, it works for the most part. I think where it's maybe the weakest is is in, like, the actual inner character of, um, of Sentry, at least to me. But, like, the big ideas are very interesting. And, like, I don't know how, how true that is, but it feels like the beginning, like, no, having read some uh, 2000 events and knowing what the core of the universe is going to be, and, like, the, the creation of a core to the Marvel Universe, this feels like the first stone in that, uh, in mm. a lot of ways. Like, the... Doctor Strange, Mr. Fantastic, and Tony Stark uh, being drawn in a very, like, graphically realistic way in a dimly lit room and talking about uh, what they're going to do about the big problem of the universe. That's going to be the next 10 years of Marvel Comics um, (laughs) as we enter the Brian Michael Bendis era of Avengers and Marvel events. Uh, And yeah, like, that feels like the first first step in that, and that's very, very interesting, and I think it's, it's very successful here. Okay, interesting. Yeah, interesting. I, yeah, I'm viewing it viewing it through the lens. And Zach, I promise we'll come right back to you. No, no, <laughs> viewing it through the lens of what it's going to become is fascinating too, um, because it is like shockingly influential. Yeah, I think maybe you wouldn't know that. You know, if you're again, if you're just doing the year by year journey with us, uh, with again, without yeah, and it's kind of anything. rude of you to talk about it with someone online without spoiling anything. Don't you? No, I mean worry. for me, I, I don't. I can't I, keep I up. Spoiled anything? I'm not saying you're spoiling. I don't know what you're talking about. It's kind of rude. <laughs> Zach gets so uh, upset when he's confused. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, I did not know that, and I am actually surprised by that, because it doesn't feel... Like, it feels a little bit of a pocket universe story. Yeah. Um, it doesn't necessarily feel like, oh, this will be the stage for, you know, setting the stage for big continuity stuff. So that that does surprise me. Um, and I, 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 I agree almost exactly with what you said, Charlotte. I think, like, as superhero stuff, it works really well as... Uh, like allegory or not even i don't know i mean he's actually addicted to something and drinking maybe but also drinking uh elixir but also maybe real drinking as the allegory for like his addiction i think it works less i think that it's really lacking like it kind of makes feints towards that and then it's really lacking in most of what's going on with the character of bob reynolds is an excuse to get to the the big superhero ideas that uh that uh, Paul Jenkins has, which I'm guessing yeah. the Sentry is uh, Paul Jenkins's idea. Which I'm curious if you know, Dave. Does like was there the idea of Sentry as the next big thing in Marvel, and then that series resulted of it, or like did the series come first and was so good that it, it then got integrated into anything? Yeah, yeah. So let let's talk about the ba- the backstory here because it's actually quite unique in Marvel history. So Sentry was an idea. That was co-created by Paul Jenkins and Rick Veach, 
apologies if I'm mispronouncing that. Um, Brick Beach has been like the interesting Swamp Thing run. Uh, it worked with Alan Moore on stories like 1963, I think Supreme in the 90s. Uh, but they co-created this idea and they, the concept, you know, basically kind of as we see it here, which is like, what if there was a Superman in the Marvel Universe? And what if everyone forgot about them, essentially? And I think like Rick Veach in particular brings the idea of, you know, we could do all these retro continuity type panels, which is one of my favorite things about this book. It's incredible. Is yeah. Because the concept is so strong about like, oh, the century existed throughout Marvel history. Everyone's just forgotten him. Um, you can do all these flashback comics that are in the style of the eras, right? So we get like a Death of Superman scene. We get 40s Golden Age comics. We get Rob Liefeldian, sort of 90s X-Force century. There's a very strong Dark Knight Returns, Frank Miller visual. Like I love comics within comics, and I especially love them when they're in conversation with the universe that they're playing with, and Century is just like the perfect vehicle for that. I mean, it's just the perfect vehicle for that because it's like, hey, here's somebody who was here this whole time, but everybody forgot it. So you get to do any style you want. And Giant Lee nails that Kirby style yeah, especially. Yeah. It's wild. You could, it's so different from his style, but uh, like the big weird teeth on the villain when he's getting punched. I was like, that's that gets Kirby so well. Uh, the, I looked Frank up, Miller, like slightly less so. It's good, but... The like Kirby stuff is spot on. You know, you know what he's doing, but yeah, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. necessarily Dead Ringer. Um, I did look up like three times, like if there was another artist credit. I know. I, I went like, to someone else yeah. <laughs> do this stuff. Uh, but it, but to my knowledge, it's just uh, Jai Lee. So anyway, so so Veach and Veach and Paul Jenkins, they come up with this idea, and they've got the whole concept down, and they're like, this would be cool. Jenkins goes to pitch it to Joe Quesada at Marvel Knights because they have a relationship, you know, post Inhumans, and uh, I guess. At the end of that meeting, Jenkins, <laughs> like, he leaves and he calls uh, Rick and he says, uh, hey, we got it. Um, I'm going to do it with Jay Lee. So he, like, cuts out the co-created artist uh, post-pitch. And Rick Veach has a shockingly not bitter response to this per this uh, forum post that he posted way I mean, back when. That he I still read. gets credit, <laughs> which is funny. I don't know if He should. He money. should. I mean, no, he, he does. pretty he's clearly like, co-created he's still, it. Yeah. He's still uh, created as a co-creator, but... I don't know if he gets any cash for that. So yeah, I don't know. Um, but okay, so that's that's the idea part of it. What then gets absolutely bonkers about Century is: Are either of you familiar with the Century hoax? Nope. Nope. Okay. So this is a right thing on. that you only know about if you're a Marvel Comics historian, obsessive, or you lived through <laughs> the year 2000 and Wizard Magazine in particular. There was a very elaborate hoax perpetrated in interviews in Wizard Magazine and in some letters pages in Marvel Comics leading up to this that the Sentry was a long-lost idea created by the creators Artie Rosen and Stan Lee. Okay? okay. So they set up this hoax that this was actually the first Marvel superhero that Stanley the Manly co-created it before fantastic four and that not like just nothing came of it um they made up Artie rosen is the combination of the letterers the marvel letterers of the 60s Artie simek and sam rosen it's not a real person mm. they ran an obituary for Artie rosen okay <laughs> they like like in one issue of wizard they announced that he was in ill health and then like in a follow-up issue they ran an obituary he's not a real person <laughs> it's a, it's a made up so like there's this whole 
increasingly elaborate hoax. And they had Stanley the Manly doing interviews saying like, oh, that could be like if I, you know, if I maybe I, that sounds like something I would have done if I had co-created it. And, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe they found those pages because I think part of it, too, was Joe Casado was like, we found these comics. Yeah. We found these uh, ideas. That's, that's fun. And that we're going to renew like, it. Joined in on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they got Stan. Every issue of the century, this is the thing you miss out on with the absence of letters pages, but every issue of this book has an interview between Joe Quesada and Stan Lee where they talk about Stan's ideas for creating this character and then also like the content of the issue. But so Stan's giving all these super vague quotes, regularly not outright lies, but like, you know, obviously <laughs> none of this stuff happened. Um, but just kind of being like, oh, yeah, like, you know, when I when I was thinking of the century, like, you know, I, I wanted to make sure to give him some humanity. So we had to give him the addiction or agoraphobia or whatever the rationale was. Right. So like the build up to this book is this is the real first Marvel hero and you've got a Stanley connection. It is fascinating and weird and wild and i can't think of anything comparable in in like comics history frankly yeah other other good pranks well <laughs> i can think of one really good prank uh, by a marvel creator and that's akira yoshida um oh my goodness the alternative <laughs> yep. identity for cb sibolsky <laughs> that one was a equally good and fun prank for us all yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree actually, Zach. I think that that is oh, kind of gross. What what Akira did? Um, <laughs> I just think that a that a Japanese man would pretend to be a talent scout for Marvel, um, a white talent scout, and then use that to become a writer for Marvel Comics. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, really really complicated stuff. Yep, I think. And he's still uh, trying to fool us to this day. It's been over a decade of, uh, of Akira trying to pull the wool over our eyes. The greatest scam is this idea that C.B. Sabluski is the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics and that Akira Yoshida doesn't exist, right? He made us all forget. <laughs> this, he's, a, he's pulled a century on us. It's incredible. You know you know what's fun about those century letters? I, I got to go find like the originals of those and find the letters. I bet I bet there's at least a handful of letters in there where people are like, you know, I definitely remember this back from when I was 10 years old. Like, they must have released one of these because I remember an idea of this. I remember them advertising this and it never came out. Like, yeah, I bet yeah, this, yeah. I bet this incepted it into people's minds and into their childhood memories um, if it was done so convincingly. That, I mean, that would be amazing. I would love to hear from, because all of us are, are just, ju all of us are exactly the same age and we're all just too young oh, to too remember young. this. So young. Right? We're just too young to remember this. So if you are a listener and you lived through the century hoax, I am genuinely curious to hear, like, did you buy it? Do you remember this? You know, like that, like, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have a good concept of like, well, how I, well I that actually it. it was like it was the day I was born. I literally just hopped out to <laughs> to, uh, to a comic book uh, shop and went to read the Everything World Century. You remember your father pulling you from your mother's wombs. The first yep. thing you remember, uh, dominatrix style. Is that the <laughs> nope? Yeah. Well, gu no, you know what I mean. <laughs> gubernatrix. Oh yeah. It was exactly. a female elected official who had to kiss a baby. So we had a gubernatrix <laughs> on the scene. And I, I, I think, yeah, your first memory being your parents' fervent declarations. They found it. They found it. Finally, Stan's first superheroes. <laughs> um, that's a cool first memory. That's a yep. very cool first memory. Uh, but, yeah, so you can read all about this. I think if you just Google the Century Hoax, there's a great, like, forum breakdown of like it's got like all the wizard magazine like you know ephemera and and pictures and just i find this super fascinating because it is super elaborate it's really flipping elaborate 
and um, whether or not it works, it all like it fits the book perfectly. You know, like it it genuinely fits. It's that fascinating blend of like marketing and creative vision that actually mm-hmm. intersect and overlap in fun ways. Mm. You know, um, yep. maybe people were bothered at the time, but I I quite love that that is a part of the century backstory. So anyway, Charlotte, you were just asking me, like, where did the idea well, come it, from? It, it <laughs> but I had to in, share all I that. I mean, it thematically ties in with, yeah, you all just forgot about it, just like everyone in the book, right? That's, like, the fun part is it actually, like, fits in with the story of the book. Yeah, That's so cool. to force a, Mind- a Mandela effect uh, onto, <laughs> onto the leadership. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. Idea. Yeah. That's, so, that's... so I think, you know, obviously I'm a huge Jenkins and Lee Inhumans fan. Um, I think they are not quite as successful here but it's very good the concepts are absolutely astonishing i i've never this era of jay lee is just my favorite i i just think the the realism and the art and the painted landscapes like i just think he's working on career best levels with all this stuff you know with with century he gets to do all the heroes in the marvel universe um certain details too just like reed richards like with like kind of a comb over <laughs> like like certain approaches to how to style characters, I just find super fascinating and fun. Uh, all of which is to say, this is my favorite century story uh, by several miles. Um, I think this is this is really good, and just like all the ideas are so up my alley. I think probably the knock or one of the knocks that you could have on it is, hey, you know, Miracle Man did this, <laughs> and uh, and so did like Solar Man of the Atom. A Jim Shooter book with Valiant Comics. We've there have been big, powerful superhero stories, and they forgot who they were, or people forgot who they were. Type stories before um, that are famous and and well regarded in comic circles. This brings it to Marvel, but then just like I just kind of love that hook, and then you sprinkle on the Superman analog of it all. You sprinkle on getting to play with comics history and continuity. You sprinkle on some thin layer of. He's his own worst enemy. He's battling some form of addiction. There's a lot going on. There's a, there's a lot to sink into, and uh, I I dig it. I love. I this think book. it's like it could have felt very cheap and fake, like of trying to tie to the Marvel universe and it feeling like just wrong because we know he hasn't been popular. Like it's really fun that his Reed Richards was the best man at his wedding. Uh, Peter Parker yeah. took the photo that is his most famous photo. He's the only person Hulk likes, which is very funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's very a good cute. Uh, yeah, it's. I, I think it's. It does a ve- very good job at tying. Um, I was gonna. I was gonna call him Solar um, Sentry to to the rest of the Marvel universe. I think the the Void is pretty kind of effective as at being the the dark side of um, of Sentry, even though it's kind of not clear how that works exactly. Like both come from well, the serum, but it's like trying to be you know, like, thematically tie-in enough that it feels like that they feel like that's the grounding for it, is the, yeah. like, allegory for his addiction, right? More than it is, like, a story point. But then that stuff is pretty flimsy, I think. So that that's why that part doesn't quite, like, pan out as much for me. So yeah. when they're just like, oh, yeah, he was accepting money from the mob to do hits for them to fuel his addiction, I'm like, it, it, but it's just like an aside and people are like, no, I don't believe that about him. And then it moves yeah. on. I, I don't know. There, there's but something I, just like a little not, it's not observed enough, I think. Yeah, me. no, I, I agree. I think it doesn't, it doesn't work that well as like trying to tie it to, to themes that aren't that present. I do think mm. I, I, I just like the vote as like 
uh, kind of gooey, evil, uh, like Dark Phoenix type, but more, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know, more nasty and gooey. Uh, well, it gives Jai Lee a yeah, chance to yeah, really yeah, like, yeah, stretch his wings and just do cool shadow work. monsters. Yeah, which a is shadow monster is, is perfect for him, for sure. Yeah. Um, were either of you surprised or... I guess, Charlotte, you probably weren't because you've read other stuff. But, Zach, I guess, were you surprised in any way between the connections uh, of the Century and the Void? I've never been surprised by a comic book in my life. Um, <laughs> You're so cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know I know what's going to happen. Uh, I read the first page of any comic, and I'm like, <laughs> I know what the rest of this series has to hold. I'm very savvy. Uh, sorry, what was the question again? I was... Uh, <laughs> you were bragging so answer, hard that you I... forgot uh, to answer the question. No, like, did the, did the connection between Century and Void... The reveal, and obviously spoilers here, that they are ultimately two sides of the same coin. No, I. Um, were you expecting that? Did that interest you? You know, was that was that mystery intriguing? I guess is maybe another way to put it. I think I expected their them to be tied together. I didn't expect it just to be like another side of him, right? Like, so I think that <clears throat> that's slightly less interesting than you know, like him somehow being tied to its return, right? Like. But he's, I, I don't know. Yeah, for, for some reason, it just being him uh, and, like, deluding himself and going crazy and causing damage is not that interesting. But I guess it's only because it's it's not that fleshed out and it's staying in the world of, uh, like, thematic stuff rather than, like, literalizing it. Um, which is a weird. It, it's weird. I, I kind of have opposite complaints of this than I generally do. <laughs> where I'm like, yeah, it had too much, like, you know, undercurrent and not enough you know, actual, like, meat to it, um, but, uh, yeah, 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 it, I mean, it, it sounds like I'm complaining, I really like this comic, like, it moves, it's really interesting, what it builds, it builds successfully, it looks great, the, like, the mixed media stuff, I think it's so good, the, yeah. the mixing of formats, especially in that first issue, I wish they had carried that through for the rest, because it's really just the first issue, but they even I would have liked like, to have seen more of that, yeah, the yeah, photograph, like, they feel like him? they come from good comics of their own, of their own, like that, I'd be curious mm-hmm. about uh, totally. reading the like. There's one panel in the kind of 80s style, I think, where his sidekick gets stabbed by some kind of tentacle from the void, and like it's a very like good three panels. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I'd be curious of yeah. reading that whole comic if yeah, it existed. Sure, that's very mm-hmm. Death of the Family, Agreed. you know, yeah. with with Jason Todd. Um, yeah, I love that stuff. I mean, the the comics history piece of it. I mean, yeah, I think I think both of your your comments here that like well, Bob Reynolds, the actual character is maybe underserved. I think it's probably true. You know, I, I think that's that's probably there's truth in that in the sense that like Jenkins and Lee they're playing with they're playing with an analog and they're playing with the platonic ideal of like kind of a Superman. So I think there's a lot of stuff they take for granted that just like you know how this stuff works. Like you've read Superman comics, you've read comic books and superheroes in the Marvel universe. But like um the idea of addiction him. being the like oh yeah what well that's i mean isn't really present in superman like that's something they add here and like there's not enough of it outside of the first issue i think well so that's actually getting back to like the stan lee ties to it that does seem to be yeah. uh, jenkins in an interview says that's actually his contribution was because because the idea here is like well if we're going to sell that this was one of stan's first characters i guess what stan told uh, paul jenkins was like well he needs to have something that makes him human he needs to have some frailty and that's where the idea of addiction slash the very nascent seeds of agoraphobia came from um so i think it literally is kind of tacked on like that's not (laughs) that's not the story uh that jenkins probably set out to tell so much as like the way to sell that it came from a stan lee original marvel idea you know okay um but that doesn't you know that doesn't excuse I i think you're both right in saying that i just think the focus of the book is is pretty clearly on 
the big concepts. Yeah. And like I know the sentry comes back often, uh, and I don't know how like if that gets I don't know if fixed is the right word, but like improved that Bob Reynolds becomes a more interesting character on his own. From what I've uh-huh. seen, I'm not sure it does. <laughs> Uh, but I guess we'll, we'll see. Like I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of not baffled, but like very surprised at how big this became. Like if um, Jay Lee got like one dollar for every time the Watchtower appeared uh, in subsequent comics, he'd be a billionaire. <laughs> that's a really good point. Yeah. That's a really that's good point. wild. Avengers that's so crazy to me. Slot. This this does not feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's, it's like totally self-contained. I mean, this yeah. this issue, yeah. this these books could have come out and never been touched again. And you'd feel like that kind of made sense, <laughs> you know, like it's an Elseworlds thing um, that maybe just never got touched again. But the fact like, that it does is Earth interesting and we'll bit, talk yeah. about it. Oh, sorry. Go on. I was just saying, no, like, I was just going to say, like, like, I think when you look at the concept, it's not because because Jenkins only put put everything back in the bottle by the end of this. Right. So like the story is the century had to make the world forget that he existed, because if he exists, then the void also exists and the void could destroy their universe. Basically, so like the, the Sentry has this hero side of him, but he also unleashes the Void, and the Void is too destructive to allow to live. So he has to make the world forget, including himself. The story is about him remembering. It's about Richards remembering. It's about the superhero universe kind of waking up to like, oh yeah, we there was this the first hero of the Sentry. We all forgot about him. Um, and then by the end of it, though, they have to put they have to seal that bottle again, right? So it, it feels like a story where it's like, okay, you could uncork that bottle again, but then how do you avoid? having the exact same problem that we just had in this miniseries. Yeah. You know, uh, which is which is what we're going to have to deal with moving forward. But it does feel like, well, if you just sealed that bottle, you could just have Bob Reynolds perpetually in the Marvel Universe, but just not remembering who he is, <laughs> right? So you could keep it of a piece with continuity. Um, you know, speaking of that, side tangent that I, that I really love about Marvel Knights is how it's definitely influenced by Vertigo, I think, in some ways, um, DC's Vertigo, in terms of, like, the maturity, the maturity and sort of the, you know, the focus on the artists and the creators and the storytelling. But then it simultaneously is also like almost always a piece of continuity. Like it almost always actually fits in with the Marvel Universe landscape. Yeah, and which Vertigo I, didn't do. Vertigo is, rarely like, does. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, which I, I just really like. I really like celebrating that because yeah, cool. uh, I prefer that to exist in superhero comics, you know? And uh, it's a hard thing to pull off. And it's, it it's gives like... It gives it gives fresh breath to to the Marvel universe. Like there's some some fresh blood. Maybe it's better than fresh breath. That doesn't mean anything. Uh, some fresh, fresh blood to the nice. Marvel universe. Yeah. Like it feels like something new is coming, and it makes it more interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a newness to this and Marvel Boy that I yeah. think is very earnestly exciting. Um, whether or not they went on to have legacies, like I don't know that you needed to know that. Obviously, you wouldn't have known that in the year 2000. But you know, there's a freshness to these where it's like. Well, these could be something. This signals a new style of storytelling at the very least, you know, compared to, I don't know, Onslaught. I was going <laughs> to say compared whatever. to Marvel Knights, the comic. <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. No, that's actually a good example because that's a more traditional yeah. superhero story, ironically. Um, okay, any any additional Sentry thoughts or should we talk Marvel Boy? Marvel Boy. Marvel, Marvel Boy. Marvel Boy. Marvel Boy. All right, Grant Morrison, one of the most famous comics writers of all time. I would put as the second favorite comic book writer in my personal rankings. Yeah. Um, they have just a massive, massive repertoire. With, with uh, Akira Yoshida as number one, of course. <laughs> with, with Akira Yoshida's Mangaverse, Marvel Wait, Mangaverse. I, I actually do have a, a quick question about that. Has Sapolsky written any uh, good comics? You know what's 
So I'm going to skip that question and answer instead. Okay. You know what's wild is that CB <laughs> wrote comics under his own name as well. Like there's an X-Men event, X-Infernus, which is kind of like a magic Inferno follow-up thing. And it's under the name CB Sobolski. So like he had work as himself. Why did he also create a fake Japanese man named Akira Yoshida? <laughs> it's just everything about it is so oh, weird. He, he didn't actually write that many comics. I'm looking at his just a handful of like X-Men miniseries. But nothing as you as Akira Yoshida though most of it. <laughs> oh, that's so funny! Oh my god! If enough um, people request it in the Slack and via Patreon.com/slash year, we could do an Akira Yoshida special. Yeah, and we'll do where, everything he where we read all the Akira books, um, <laughs> but not the actual Akira manga because I I made it. Yeah, let's just title the that. episode "We Read Akira" and it's just us reading Akira. <laughs> how about <laughs> how about <laughs> How about we rank and compare a volume of Akira to Akira Yoshida's Marvel works, right? So it'll be like, okay, is Marvel Mangaverse uh, X-Men better than Akira Volume 3? <laughs> and surprises yeah, may man. follow. <laughs> Sounds like yeah. a fun project. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a blast. Uh, okay, Zach, why, why do you keep talking about Akira today? Oh my gosh, this is... I don't know. Keep, keep distracting awesome. us with this... <laughs> curse upon Marvel. This um, villain. <laughs> <laughs> what were we actually talking about? Oh, Grant Morrison. Uh, Grant, Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison's amazing. Uh, they're working here with J.G. Jones, who uh, is is similarly great, frankly, on this book. Marvel Boy is a six-issue Marvel Knights miniseries. Uh, it is a new character, despite having, you know, sort of semi-ties to Captain Marvel and, um, and you know, an original Marvel Boy. This is... I don't know how much I want to go into this, but, like, there are theories and some credence to the idea that this was going to be the first Ultimate book. Ooh. And I think through that lens, it's actually fascinating. Uh, but before we dive into that in, like, tremendous detail, uh, same cent- same question as the Century Base guy. Just curious, like, this is kind of a challenging book in some ways. Zach and Charlotte, did you love it? Did you hate it? Uh, somewhere in the middle. What did you think? Can I can I predict Charlotte? I feel like I'm, I'm <laughs> slightly uh, alone here because I think Charlotte's going to love it because this character goes on to be big in Young Avengers and runs she loves. So she's already invested in this character. And Hold then Dave... on, analyze me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Dave, you... Uh... Sorry, people are slamming doors in my house. Uh, Dave, you're probably a little more set to love it because you're already like very into the Morrison stuff. Whereas I have not fallen for Grant Morrison and I... I'm not a big Young Avengers fan yet. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, so. you just like it because of Oubliette. Uh Oubliette's kind of cool. I don't know. I'm not the, the biggest <laughs> Oubliette fan. Uh, I am slight, the the deck is stacked against it a little bit because one of my least favorite panels of all time is that Kieran Gillen. Uh, come with it's me if you want to. Oh my band. gosh. What's wrong Terrible. with you? Oh, like bottom five panels <laughs> of all time. Boring. Uh, You're the oldest, oldest man we've ever had on this podcast. No, that, that's the problem is it's for, for old people who are like, ah, my childhood. I love it. It's so cool. It's for so kids. You sound it's like right now. It is. Oh, I'm a life. child of the 80s. Terminator. I was a 14-year-old when Young Avengers Volume 2 came out, and I can tell you this is a fun panel. You taking yeah. issue with this totally fun, innocuous panel is one yeah, of your strangest takes. I hate it takes. so much. <laughs> this is, old man this yells is so bizarre. Oh, my God. Old man yells at other old man trying to be a cool hip teen. Sorry, we're not talking you're yelling, here. Zach, you're Stop. yelling in the mirror at the <laughs> yeah. old version of yourself that you wish was younger. That's the problem I'm here. Drawing... Uh, kieran's glasses on the mirror and being like i don't like that one i like a lot of your comics a lot but not that one 
Kieran. <laughs> anyway, you like that comic? Just don't like that panel. I actually do like. Yeah. I do like that comic. I even really like the page that comes before it quite a bit. It's got a great layout, like the page immediately before it. Anyway, Marvel Boy's pretty good. Uh, I don't love this. Uh, I'm not over the moon about it. It has some of the same problems I've had with like Morrison stuff, and it still feels like I'm kind of like, am I not like what am I missing? It feels slippery, and it feels yeah. a little evasive, and it feels a little like a little thin a little lightweight like all seasoning no steak <laughs> a little bit which is something i, I do have well, that would be a horrible meal yeah that would be a truly terrible say, meal i don't want to say no steak i want to say thin steak lots of seasoning like one inch of seasoning half an inch of steak he, they just love <laughs> who is seasoning your steaks <laughs> they have such a heavy pour oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> they love concepts and they love just like these fun three or four word ideas like hexus the living corporation and you're like ah hell yeah that's a morrison idea i can get behind yeah and then like you get to the concept and the execution of it it's like oh yeah it's okay it's about what you think it was but like and and i'm just not that like that's when people are like oh it's thor but he's a frog that's enough for me just that idea and then i'm like but the actual comic and i I don't want to argue about that i know you think that works hey shouts to sneaking in simonson slander in your in your morrison no no i'm just i'm just saying like just that idea is like like yeah that's a great idea it's not just that idea it's three issues of a good story where he he battles with frogs and they fight alligators charlotte what'd you think of marvel boy just yeah integrating some slamming on simonson into the great scene on grants um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I re- I really like it, and for more reasons than just because I like Marvel Boy, even though I do like Marvel Boy and what he's gonna be in Young Avengers and other stuff, mostly not Young Avengers because he's boring in the Avengers. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty cool miniseries that was more interesting from having just read Morrison's action comics from the New Fifty Two because there's oh. some. Echoes there, and Marvel Boy really works as like yeah. an inversion, but like not totally inversion of Morrison's Superman, and with mm. um, Doctor Midas as kind of his Lex Luthor. That's like a, kind of an inter- interesting comparison that I I wouldn't have thought about. I don't think um, like stuff with uh, Luthor. Uh, I mean, here Midas and Luthor in Action Comics calling Nova slash Superman it and every time someone calls him he he's like no it's it's an it it's not a he like that's some some stuff that comes back and that's interesting comparison yeah I I like Marvel Boy I I see what you're talking about with missing some meat on the bone um but there's enough seasoning oh freaking hell seasoning on it that I I like (laughs) the overall comic Um, this is the hungriest podcast we've ever had (laughs) I mean I agree with that like I I think like it's fun enough and it's yeah. like it works. Actually, I, I really like that action comics run, the new 52 yeah. for a while. And then it becomes, it kind of loses its footing, but especially the beginning of that, I think is so solid. Um, I think those are good comparisons. Cause I think both this and uh, action comics feel like slightly, I don't know, Dave, you've read tons more Morrison, like minor Morrison. Does that feel appropriate? Who that's a tricky one. Um, I, so, all right. A couple thoughts. One, Action Comics is a perfect comparison point. Uh, I, I thought that as well, reading it again, um, just the way that, you know, if you have an alien, who is your first superhero? How does the Earth actually treat them? Um, just on a very superficial level, right? That that connection is there. I think, Zach, to your points about the Morrison experience, I had the exact same experience with, and I have had that experience with several Morrison works. Um, I think what you're describing is, 
very familiar. Uh, I think there are kind of two modes of Morrison. There's one, which is just like him hitting the same sort of pop and big ideas out of the park, which like his Doom Patrol or their Doom Patrol, excuse me, does that for me. Um, Their All-Star Superman is another example where it's just like there's a weirdness, but there's an accessibility to it that is easier to dive into the second and actually like their um jla which is the huge huge justice league run that runs for like the four years preceding this jump to marvel you know because we're going to get a very minor morrison jump to marvel for the early parts of this 2000s marvel boy is the first thing that comes out we're also going to read a fantastic four story that they do with jay lee and then of course new x-men are the big ones um but morrison has always been a dc person and and there's a full i mean literally there's a guide on cbh you can do the full D, uh, dc comics of grant morrison you know it's a fascinating sort of take on the universe their jla is incredibly accessible and incredibly good and is often held up i would have held it up this way as well as like the good justice league run okay um marvel boy is not in that vein it's more so in the second vein it's kind of straddles the line but the second vein of morrison is huge ideas hot and heavy comes at you fast the comic takes off and not only does it not turn your hand, but it never looks back to even consider <laughs> helping you along the way. And I think, Zach, that's where when you describe it as thin or slippery or like it's alluding to things and not diving in, I think a lot of Morrison's work can feel that way. And I think Marvel Boy straddles that line between accessible, I know what's going on, and wait, what? <laughs> what is yeah. this? And they, they know, what, you speak know alien a little too well and kind of all that stuff. Yeah. Until, until what happens with, and, and, and I just had this experience too. So instead of rereading Marvel Boy, initially I was like, I'm going to read The Filth. It's a Morrison comic that came out in 2003, 2004. It's their porn comic, for lack of a useful summary. <laughs> but it is just pure porn violence ideas and like seemingly almost no plot. And it is just manic. And it is preposterous. And it's, Every so often, like every like 18th page, I'll be like, oh, this is some of the coolest stuff I've ever read in a comic. But then the next 17 pages, I'm like, oh my gosh, what is happening? <laughs> this is this is madness. And I don't know that it's actually good, but it's but it's often very interesting. Okay, Marvel Boy is nowhere near that complicated. Graham Morrison often requires a degree in Morrisonology or annotations. And that can be really off-putting. You know, I've seen people describe some of the works and say like, oh, if you read interviews with the author, you know, it really helps understand it. Um, or, oh, read this piece and that'll that'll explain what's happening here. And like, that's cool. I think in some ways when art has those many, has those levels of layers that are required to dig into to like fully sort of understand it. But I also often feel like it's a failing of the art when it doesn't in and of itself give you the keys to unlock it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, so that's, that's like a very big picture sort of back and forth that I have with Morrison as a comics writer. It's one of the reasons I can never get into DC Final Crisis. Yeah, I was going to say Final can't... Crisis is the notoriously like impenetrable. Yeah. And like, work. I know yeah. like a lot of comics critics and, and writers that I love, love that book and love that event. And I'm just like, it is even after I've read a heck of a lot more DC comics than I did the first time. I'm just like, it is so dense and so obnoxious <laughs> frankly <laughs> in how little it is willing to like bring you along for the ride that i just find very off-putting okay all of also, which is to say 
Marvel Boy yeah. has layers to it that I think make <laughs> yeah. it extra fun to read. I like reading it now way more than I did when I read it, you know, alongside Century and Inhumans uh, a decade ago. So yeah. and I get it is helped from. by a second, third read through because I think this is the fir- the third time I've read the Marvel Boy, and we'd be having a different conversation if it was the first time. I think I would be more confused and a bit less uh, enthusiastic well, th- about it. Okay, I just want to clarify: this wasn't confusing to me. This was not. I, I know I've had that with Morrison comics before, where I'm like, okay, you know, they're working on like they have a clear idea. Even uh, Action Comics, the new Fifty Two Action Comics, by the end of that run, like I feel a little lost of where they're going with it, and I'm like. I'm not sure what you're getting at anymore. I don't know where the, th- like, what's the core of this comic, right? Like, I, I don't know. Um, I didn't have that with this. I, I followed this fine. I, I think it genuinely is, like, let me just, it, it's something we talked about in my ultimate year with Mark Miller a little bit, which is the, like, where I say not taking his comic seriously <laughs> in that, like, he's more interested in wowing you with, like, a fun aside or a sentence or a couple panels of an idea, but, like, not really interested in diving into it. Um, so I think there's like a little bit of that where it's just like, here, I'm going to throw a bunch of ideas against the wall and you'll go, oh, those are really fun. But then like, See, are but we going to actually... get into what those ideas mean? Are we going to get into what they mean for people, like for human stories? Or are they just fun sci-fi concepts? Because very well, little of this like stands out as far as like, th- th- some of it has like a human basis in it. Uh, but a lot of it is just like, here's a fun idea. Well, Marvel and... Boy is an alien, so it'd be it'd be really hard to tell like a oh, damn. story, uh... right? Like with an alien. <laughs> I got rusted. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I totally hear what you're saying. Again, I've had that same feeling. I think now when I read it and having read some of these theories, sort of about like, oh, actually, this was meant to like kick off the Ultimate Universe. And when you read it through the lens of like, which so the way I read it this time was through the lens of Morrison saying to themselves, "I'm going to do my Ultimates," basically. Um, I'm going to imagine if Stan and Jack sat down to make the first Marvel comic in 2000, what would that look like? And coming up with Marvel Boy as a Peter Parker inverse, as this, you know, embodiment, because, you know, there's there's all these parallels. You know, Marvel Boy comes to Earth, loses everyone they love. Okay, that's Uncle Ben. Um, this character is hated and feared for who they are. They're very bitter at the world. That's, you know, that's Peter turning to wrestling and hunting down the killer initially um they're forced into responsibility i mean literally you have the supreme intelligence being like you need some responsibility (laughs) right these sorts of things so you have these sort of silver age ideas you have Mm -hmm. literal silver age iron man as the arch villain okay dr midas is wearing tony stark's first armor (laughs) yeah basically choice Um, that i never quite cracked well it's taking tony i think it's taking the idea of tony without ever experiencing the cave without mm-hmm. ever experiencing yeah. Dr. Yinsen and just mm-hmm. the pure corporate greed. Because corporate greed is a, is a huge thread throughout this as well, which like is interesting in and of itself. I don't know how well it applies to the Marvel Boy idea. And I don't that, know but... how present or like how real that connection to Tony specifically is. Because like, reading this, like, I thought, oh, fun, he has an Iron Man style armor, but I, I don't see much more than that as far as like comparisons to to Tony go. Even like later, he he acquires the powers of all the Fantastic Four, but I don't feel like there's that much actual like thematic comparison to to the FF or to Iron Man uh, beyond like yeah. I don't maybe maybe again it's just because I just reread Action Comics, but I, I see him just... more as like a Lex Luthor analog than <laughs> sure. a Tony Stark. It's just or... making oh yeah, totally, totally. It's just er capitalist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lex which Luther's I think, which I think, Tony person. gone wrong. Yeah. Like that's a take, that, right? It's fair, not. It's true. not like a literal Tony. I think it. You know, it's that seed of an idea. Yeah. 
and then it's well they would actually be the villain and i think you know what's interesting about the story too is like if you take a dr midas as ur capitalist tony gone wrong you know they're the hero in the world of marvel boy they're the human trying to stop the alien you know um they're sent in by shield and these sorts of things right so like there's a flipping of perspective on that as well um so anyway, I find I, I all of that like, sort of Marvel history, Marvel continuity, more like Morris, like few writers. Actually, I don't know about this, but just I will say it this way. Grant Morrison is a huge comic book fan. OK, if you've read Super Gods, if you read any of their like newsletter right now, they love comics and they're a great writer about comics. Yeah. <laughs> and I think sometimes that stuff is why critics and fans fall so hard for them. And it's it's stuff that like I wouldn't it's not as obvious as, for example, Century. Right, Sentry is very obvious in what it's doing mm-hmm. in a way that I love. Straightforward, yeah. I'm not saying that as a criticism. Yeah, like it's super straightforward. I get it and I love it and it's fun and it's playing with all this comic history that I love. Morrison does that, but it's all like behind the scenes, and it's only because I read a thing about it that I'm even like putting that together. You know what I mean? Um, and that that can be kind of off putting. Yeah. Just as like, well, what if I just wanted to read this as a story? And then I think Zach, you're spot on. Where it's just like, it's it's kind of fine. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. 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 I just want to say I just had kind of an epiphany about why I like the, um, Midas as the like opponent to Marvel Boy. It's like and why I like him being in the Iron Man armor and then having like just looking like Ben Grimm but with the other powers of the Fantastic Four. It's like he for all his ambition he can have the original idea of coming up with something new. And then he's opposite Nova, who has like wild, crazy powers that you've never seen with like the powers of a cockroach and like LSD spits and weird nails that grow and can be used as weapons. Like he's (laughs) Nova is like full to the brim with new ideas for powers and like his cosmic run, stuff like that. Like it all feels new and fresh, whereas Midas has to imagine his powers through the lens of what has come before. Like that's that's a fun. Duality, yeah, that's I interesting. I like that read on the, it. The stuff with Marvel Boy, does that come later? Like, the character has this long history now. Like, does he continue to have LSD spit and fingernails that he grow out? And does, oh, yeah. but it's rarely used. Like, I think the two people that use it in fun ways are Kevin Gillen in Young Avengers and Al Ewing in Guardians of the Galaxy. But when he's like... He, he joins the Avengers and he just becomes the most boring background character. Like... You can imagine with the most bland suits ever, and like that's so both both Sentry and Marvel Boy yeah. actually are kind of fascinating in that regard because they both get super flattened over the next decade into like the Avengers template. Well, yeah. it happens to both characters, and we'll read some of those comics and we'll talk about the various moments and how well they work. But both of them come in with these like really wild like, concepts and potential, and then they get really flattened into templates. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you're right, Charlotte. To Gillen and Al Ewing have since done more more inventive work in the spirit of what Morrison was going for. I mean, I think that's part of that's actually probably the piece of this book that I connect with the most is Morrison's commentary around corporate greed and and just the way ideas get subsumed by corporations. Obviously, this is incredibly topical when you have increasing, you know, monopolistic presences in art. And, and certainly in movies and TV and, and obviously even comics, right? And like Disney is not, they are named here, but as a smaller player, now they would be Hexus the Living Corporation, you know, because they have subsumed everything, right? Like that metaphor is very applicable. And it is funny then to have a book do these, like be like all about, okay, we're going to have new ideas and we're going to push forward in new ways. And our hero 
he can't beat up the living corporation. It's an idea. So how does he defeat them? We're going to have to find new ways to tell stories, which I think is very prominent in this yeah. era of comics. Um, but then to have that character get flattened into the corporate substructure, <laughs> you know, is like that's kind of Morrison's point. Like that's kind of his point it, or their point is like that's what's going to happen. Um, that Hexa stuff, I think, is one of the more successful. Like, I think it stands out the most. Yeah. Issue. And it's not even like the thing is they, they you know, you learn about the idea of like Hexus, the living corporation, and you get maybe like a page of exposition, exposition explaining what it is. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, OK, that's about what I would thought. And it's like to me, it's not that crazy or original of an idea. Uh, but then like it works as like, but I'm going to commit to that idea and I'm going to spend an issue exploring it and we're going to see it like fleshed out. And, you know, it, like it does, I, I don't want to be like people are making excuses for Morrison, but like sometimes with there's stuff like it does feel like there's it's the excuses being made for like bad storytelling, like just fundamentals of bad mm. storytelling of like not explaining stuff and just like leaving ideas by the roadside as you know, because they want to move on to the next fun idea. Yeah. Um, and this has a little bit of that. I don't want to overstate it too much. It's just the first time we've really seen this um, here. Because yeah. there is stuff that just gets, like, picked up and dropped. Um, well, and that's like and, uh... like The Filth, you know? That's a book where mm-hmm. it's genuinely hard to finish. Like, Marvel yeah. Boy is not that. Like, it's, no, it's no, very, Boy, very it's consumable. It's pretty breezy, yeah. Uh, it, another comic, just like The Century, that I am... I, I knew a little bit more about this, but, like, just reading this, I'd be like, well, this doesn't have, like, a big future at Marvel. This is such a weird oddball thing that like this is not going to become a thing marvel and, boy uh, isn't gonna be as big as sentry is like he's really gonna be that a player he's gonna be so surprising to me <laughs> but sentry is gonna be is gonna be big yeah. so i do think it's funny how no much idea. of morrison's early 2000s marvel work and we'll see this with new x-men that yeah. like it scared and intimidated creators for a long time <laughs> like yeah. like there's like really like the back half of the decade everyone's kind of too frightened or too unsure what to do <laughs> with with whatever the heck Morrison was laying oh, down. Oh, that's so... That, I, I knew that about X-Men, that, like, their X-Men run comes and goes and then immediately is like, all right, let's reset to before that, right? Like... Yeah. Like, it gets kind of wiped out. Um, yeah, strange. Yeah, anyway, I like this. Like, this was kind of fun, you know, and it is interesting to read, like... It's interesting to read Morrison, who is working on a totally different level than other stuff. Um, I just find, like, I find that stuff frustrating more than intriguing. And I think that's the opposite for a lot of people when it's just, like, talking about all the, mul- like, just little asides about, like, you know, proper nouns. <laughs> being like, here's this, you know, noun concept about the Elder Gods. We were fighting over the fate of the multiversity, whatever. And yeah. some people will be yeah, like, yeah. oh, man, what's that? What does that mean? And I'm like, well, it doesn't mean anything because he's not, they're not actually, you know, delving into it. Um, that's where, it, that's where Morrison just says, hey, you know what? I love Roy Thomas and Jack Kirby 70s stuff. Yeah. And just yeah. flexes on that. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to mean anything. Like it's important yeah. Yeah. that you don't try to make it mean anything. <laughs> no, no. And I know, I mean, I, I can understand when they are just fainting towards something that is just trying to like be aesthetic building, right? Building up like the vibe of the world. Um versus other stuff but there there is a breaking point to that where i'm like okay yeah but like actually show me something right like show me something real and show me something solid and like that i can cling to and that feels like a human story right like that is based in something that you know i can connect to and i can find you know some kind of value and uh i mean we uh no i don't need to go i was gonna start comparing it to Watchmen because we're covering that for extra issues in the ways that that uh, works but it's not fair to compare marvel boy (laughs) to Watchmen. well and that's i mean 
in that in that regard though you know when if i say hey the second best comic book writer in my view writing a six issue marvel knights miniseries like it doesn't live up to that expectation yeah. right like well, it's just not, like skull scroll kill crew <laughs> no 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 for sure that's it's like it's not it's not yeah. upper morrison yeah. um well, marvel boy is higher think. than skull kill crew a little bit of respect. Oh, please. I mean, Skull, Scroll Kill Crew is <laughs> in a terms failure. of the expectations. This is this is. Yeah, I think okay, this yeah. is a success. I think it's a minor success. Just wanted to, just wanted to make sure. But, like, <laughs> but people people don't hold. I mean, when you talk about Morrison, it's <clears throat> it's Doom Patrol, it's Animal Man, it's Batman. Uh, what else is up there? Invisibles. New, new X Men is the only Marvel oh, one. Oh, and New X Men. Yeah. And actually, so, I like, think the Fantastic Four mini that we're gonna read maybe has that potential at least. Uh, oh. Marvel Boys, I think off. It, it, Marvel Boy at its best is is good. And mm-hmm. full of yeah. potential, uh, it's not great. It's not Upper Morrison. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I felt like. Yeah. This is pretty good. Uh, like I'd read another one of these if they did another mini of this. I'd be like happy to read more. You know what so I do find I fascinating about it though? Yeah. yeah I, I do find it fascinating though. Like I do wish this had actually been the first Ultimate Universe book. And the, uh, like, yeah. there's a part of me that wishes like, man, if the Ultimate Universe had been the actual inventive reimagining of what this universe could be you know like if this was where it started and this was the weirdness baseline you know like how how bonkers in ultimate universe could have been it would have been totally different than than obviously what we got um but that idea is pretty fascinating to me Hmm. the i'm thinking about them like if they were an architect of the ultimate universe and i wonder if that would work i i haven't read enough of their dc to say like but they don't feel like someone who like i don't know does building of worlds like just because of what i was saying of that like like i feel like you need someone who is like someone of a hickman who's like here's a you know a comic bible (laughs) right and like here's the the somewhat of the rules for this world so that other people can like still play here and morrison is not i don't know not interested in that or maybe i'm wrong because he wrote batman Batman. like that doesn't that gives a mission statement for the ultimate universe but that doesn't give you like building blocks really like when mark miller comes in with ultimate it's a different thing that plays in a similar sandbox but it's very different vibe but but like ultimate spider-man i think it's on the other side of that that coin where that is so solidly like being like here are the characters and the rules and you kind of you know exactly what to expect from here like almost to the point of being a little stale like and and we like that comic but like it's not it's not inventive like marvel boy right so like uh i wonder if morrison can like slightly pull back to be i I mean maybe you can tell me because you've read his or their justice league and their batman and other like dc things like do they have the ability to be like okay i am telling somewhat more of a superhero narrative that like other people can pick up the pieces and walk with i mean JL- jla would definitely be the the most grounded version yeah. of that i think jla is it I mean, feels action comics was simultaneously not, like not that. this is the big team book of a superhero comics universe but while also having really big fun ideas but i mean the weirdness is is toned down tremendously mm. um i think and it that that is probably the most successful example to my mind um, like, cause even Batman, I think Morrison's Batman is that actually requires, um, some, some help, at least mm. for me. The I, action I comics comparison stuff. is killing me because I'm imagining like J. Scott Campbell coming to do a second miniseries of Marvel Boy, like he did with, uh, following up uh, Morrison on action comics. And that's, that's not mm-hmm. what I want. Yeah. No, I know. I know what you mean. Oh, I have a question for both of you. Do you find Morrison funny? 
So I actually thought about this because when they do so, their sense of humor. Like, yeah, I was thinking the about sense of them. humor is clear in a lot of their comics. I think I think Morrison often has I don't know. There's such a sense of like manic energy and glee that I I find it charming, if not laugh out loud funny, a lot of times. Yeah. But it it often works for me in a way that like for example like when Jonathan Hickman tries to be funny in um, a book like Transhuman it falls very very flat. I think uh, Morrison pulls it off. I, I Wait, think. Hickman? It just seems what you said. Hickman. You said Hickman and Transhuman. Yeah. It, it, on his book Transhuman, oh, like, okay. clearly trying to be satirical and funny, there's a very, there's a flatness and then kind of a crassness because of that. Um, I think Morrison kind of can get away with almost anything they want. So, like, I mean, the, maybe one of the big jokes here is Marvel Boy flying above the city and writing "F you." Uh, <laughs> in flames blazing yeah. through the city blocks, you know, writing it 10 city blocks high. And, like, the, Morrison does have a little bit of a... <clears throat> feels like a kind of a, a little stinker trying to be, like, a little punk <laughs> uh, in in their comics. Uh, and stuff like this, that just doesn't land for me at all. This feels very, I, like... It, I was confused it, it, it doesn't offend the... me, but it doesn't crack yeah. me up either. I was confused about the Hickman comparison because to me I had the the opposite thoughts where I think Hickman can hit and be very funny in a way that uh, I've never seen Morrison do. Hickman has a dry sense of humor that like yeah. uh, for me at least works yeah. a little better because like it the, the contrast, you know, when they they go for a joke whereas Morrison's a little sillier throughout for sure. There's yeah. all kinds of little asides here. I never like thought this was funny. Uh I don't know. I, like, I don't think it's a I mean, it's certainly it wasn't, not a comedy. I don't think it's... It wasn't I, I think, Charlotte, first off, I think you're right. I think Hickman can be a very funny writer, so I don't... That's maybe a bad example. Um, I don't know. I just think there's, like, kind of a inherent silliness to Morrison's superhero work. Like, they know that this is make-believe, <laughs> and they're having fun with it. I don't know. Like, the moment when uh, uh, Exterminatrix or Obliax is like, um, you know, say something sexy in Cree, and Marvel Boy's like, he whispers something. She's like, oh, what was that? And he's like, the room is infected. Please proceed. Like, that's No, no, that's the a infection funny has been cleared. You may proceed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a funny beat. You know, yeah. that's, that's decent writing. See, that does, like, that's the kind of stuff that I'm, like, yeah, th there's a tone of, like, like, he's definitely trying, to, they're trying to be dirty, right? Like, dirty jokes, for sure. Uh, and, and, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't land for me. That's totally subjective, right? I mean, I think the FU beat is, is more so... Okay, if we're modernizing and we're ultimatizing a Marvel hero, what would a teenage alien do who's been tortured? And they would lash out on the city and in mm -hmm. flames with F.U. Um, it's not a big, hilarious beat, I don't think, but it feels earned, I suppose, as a, as a decision for the story. And I think it yeah, works it, it doesn't with Marvel Boy mm -hmm. in a way it wouldn't if it was like... I don't know, Spider-Man or uh, anyone else. Like, yeah, Marvel Boys yeah. is trying to be, like you said, a little stinker. And he is trying to be kind of a, a sexy character, I think. Um, in, like, in the way he, he like, his relationship with Oubliette, stuff like that. Uh, that so is I something think I found. It works, that it was like, like, it doesn't feel like a contrast Marvel to Marvel Boys is a sex symbol. I kept saying, like, Marvel Boy is a sex symbol or is a queer sex symbol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As a, uh, a thing when I kept Googling him. Uh, which was interesting because I don't really see that here. That's also the art. Like J.G. Jones is not particular. There's maybe one shot of Oubliette holding his uh, unconscious body. That's a little sexy. But besides that, J.G. Jones is not doing much to like sexualize this character. Yeah, I mean, some of that is just it's a Marvel comic. I mean, this isn't Vertigo. Um, yeah. There's not a you know we've talked about this before. Like, there's not a ton of sexiness 
inherent in or just sex period unless yeah. it's just kind of you know black widow's cleavage <laughs> i mean even uh, even oubliette yeah. who's like in a gimp outfit she like she's not drawn like i know put in position where she's particularly sexy it's just like it's just her costume but i yeah i don't know it's there's it's more uh there's more sexual posing attempted in marvel knights yeah where black widow and dagger both have like you know their butts in the air and the camera's always behind them. Yeah. I'm, like there's I'm, more basically just being drawn nude and then colored according to their suits. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. But that's not even like that to me. That's I mean, I think JG Jones like, kills it on this book actually. I mean, I know Brian Hitch good, gets yeah. a ton of yeah. credit for ultimates and the authority, but JG Jones is operating in that space of like oversized modern two thousands, you know, movie making comics. Um, I think the, the detail here kind of fits in that same style, you know, hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's very good looking book. Very clean. I, yeah. yeah, I like I like JG Jones. I, I wouldn't put them with Brian Hitch, but like this and then the Black Widow mini we read both like were very solid to me. And I can see the comparison like of their layouts and stuff for sure, what you're saying about like the cinematic nature. I wouldn't have thought yeah. of that, but totally. Um wanna talk about Marvel Knights for thirty seconds. Let's <laughs> talk about Marvel Knights. We read three issues of Marvel Knights. This is written by Chuck Dixon. Um this is the proto defenders street level team up book. <sighs> I gotta say, like, I guess it's just because every time it's happened, it hasn't worked. But I don't think the Street Heroes teaming up is interesting. Um, I just don't think it works. And I guess here it's like, it's a little broader than quote-unquote Street, because you have Daredevil and Shang-Chi and Black Widow and Dagger and Cloak and Punisher, you know, kind of on the fringes. Um, Some other folks show up throughout this run. But I don't know. Like, I, I love it when, you know, if we're reading Daredevil and Luke Cage and Iron Fist show up. You know, yeah, I like, I like Daredevil comics with them when Punisher shows up in a Daredevil. Comic. Yeah, sure. That's good. Sure. Time, yeah. But like the idea of them all kind of like dealing with the same story on like a proto sort of defenders team. Um, yeah. And I don't even think don't it, know, it can't work. be done, but it requires a writer knowing how to write all those personalities in one book, which I've never seen. It makes me appreciate even Bendis doing a dissimilar thing in Ultimate, where I think it works better in Ultimate Spider-Man than here. Oh, yeah. Because it's focused on Spider-Man when he does it. Um, and the other ones are like kind of just there to like they're not that interesting on their own uh, but here yeah it's like no, none of the characters are as interesting as they are in their own series um, Dagger is that's as big as always that's the big issue otherwise yeah for sure I think that's the problem is that every character here feels like the vi- like a shadow of the character it's kind yeah. of like oh what's Punisher's thing he shoots bad guys what's Daredevil's thing he's doesn't quite shoot them but he is <laughs> pretty mean to them uh and, and that, i even think like it would it. be helped by having a villain that brings out interesting stuff in each character which could be easily done with a kingpin and like as far as much as i love the idea of daredevil and punisher beating up Ulick the troll i don't think it works here I no it's wild like interesting. when when you the get to Ulick the decision the is first... madness. Yeah. <laughs> you get the end of the first issue and it's like, oh, the reveal. It's Ulick the Troll. And it, that's that's when I'm just like, I'm not interested in this comic anymore. <laughs> like, this is not doing stuff I'm interested in. Like, it would. It's, it's like, a, if that's one issue, wild. like, if you want to tell that one, one story, you know, like, that's kind of a fun twist and not like you don't see these characters go up against Asgardians often. Okay. Um, it does not need to be drawn out. <laughs> like that is that is not going to have a lot of legs for you, and it doesn't here. Um, yeah, it's a disappointing book. I mean, I think it's it's funny that it's like that it carries the flagship line because it is almost the least of the entire 
imprint. Yeah, I love Marvel Knights, <laughs> but easily, I'm pretty least, bored yeah. by Marvel Knights. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Great. It's so, just it's the most traditional too. You know, it's the most traditional. Like yeah, if this was really. if this was an arc of Dixon's Punisher War Journal from the '90s, you know, we wouldn't Which have. Which I liked. It. I like um, those comics. I put those in the Dean. Well, list. Dixon. Yeah. Ha- I mean, Dixon uh, is now associated with the the worst elements of comic dumb. So you know, no no fandom there towards the creator. But certainly during the '90s, I mean, the Nightfall and Punisher stuff that Dixon wrote in the '90s is like you know some of check the and tremendously check. popular comics. Chuck and Chuck. Can we call this? Yeah, this segment's either Chuck and Chuck or Dunkin' on Dicks. <laughs> we can dunk on these dicks. I'm I'm more than okay to dunk on these dicks. Okay. Um, because yeah, it's. I mean, listen, it's. I I am done. Done with Chucky Boy here. Um, and these comics. You know, it's it's not just that though. It's just these comics. They didn't. They, even even when I read these, you know, a decade ago, it was that experience of like, oh well, everything in this imprint is so good. I'm excited to read the team up, and then you get to it, and it's like, oh well, okay, th- that's forgettable. Um, yeah, yeah, just kind of a bust, kind of a bust. I mean, it is like you know, like I said with Marvel Boy, it's the most sexualized, but in the very corny, one-sided way. Like, there's not a there's not an interesting sexuality to it, which mm-hmm. Morrison and Jones are trying to bring to Marvel Boy and Abluet. It's just that sort of cheesecake. This will get you to buy some comics. Yeah, there's you one know, specific page I was very confused by because the last panel is just a close-up on Black Widow's cleavage for no reason. And it's because like the whole background of the page is full black, and like Black Widow is going is supposed to be bigger and in the background of the panels, but it just looks like the last panel is just Black Widow's cleavage for absolutely no reason, which is a an accurate description of this comic. <laughs> Probably so. Probably yeah. so. So yeah, we will not be coming back to Marvel Knights. Um, it felt important enough to include because of the name and what it's trying to do. Uh, I will be curious if there's ever an example of like, yeah, like the Daredevil quote unquote street level heroes teaming up. That is like a good book. Um, cause yeah. I kind of yeah, feel like that doesn't like exist because the, the Netflix version of this, you know, was a very failed experiment as well. Um, you know, I think Charlotte's comment that like, okay, the Kingpin is the clear, I mean, I guess that's kind of what a lot of like, you know, individual Daredevil runs become, you know, for example, like even the Zdarsky stuff, you know? It's a Daredevil versus Kingpin story, and then that's going to bring in a Luke Cage or a Jessica Jones or whoever. Yeah. Um, and that can be interesting, but if you pull it out into its own series, it becomes just, like, a lot less interesting. I, I don't know exactly what it is, um, which I guess could be true for some Avengers runs and things like that as well. I mean, you know, I think it's, it's just the writing. I don't think it's it's nothing baked into, like, this concept. I think the writing's just incredibly dull. Everybody is the least, like, the most sanded down version of the character. Right, it's the most like Fox animated version of these, like even less so. But like what you would yeah. envision from like the kids' cartoon version yeah. of this, that you know removes all the history and continuity and messiness from these characters and makes them like the two-page synopsis and then puts them together in a story. Um, yeah, well, it's all just callbacks to more interesting things, you know. So like, okay, yeah, Daredevil too. and Black Widow have a relationship. Okay, we could read those comics. Um, Punisher, you know, and Daredevil have have had experiences before. Yeah, we should just go read those Miller comics, right? So. Um, yeah, a bust. Not a good one. But Century and Marvel Boy, I think, are super fascinating reads, and I'll be curious to hear what people think about those. Yeah, um, yeah Those agreed. are the well worth checking out. Speaking of well worth checking out, we got Punisher by Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon coming up next. Welcome back, Frank. We're going to read all 12 issues as well as some Chris Priest, Black Panther, and a little Deadpool crossover. That's coming I'm up so next. I'm so psyched. Like, the rest of this year? Uh, this year starts out very strong. Yeah, there's like lots of interesting stuff happening here. We're going to read that. 
Yeah. Echo stuff from giving Daredevil. Only good things. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what maximum security is, so maybe that's... That's a good Busiak right? event. Yeah. So get okay. yourself ready. We got some Patreon specials in there. If you want to add Patreon specials of your own to the list, go to patreon.com slash marmarvel this year. Oh yeah, we have a we have like eight issues <laughs> that were requested by patrons uh, coming up soon, so. which I'm intrigued by. Um, I don't know that I'm gonna. I mean, there's no guarantee I'm gonna love it, obviously, but I'm intrigued by because it's stuff I would not have spent time on otherwise. Yeah, totally. All right, totally, totally. So you can find all the comics that we're gonna read here in the show notes. Uh, of course, you can also go to the Patreon or just go to memorialshare.com if you want to see what we read in the past. Um, I think that's the easiest way to do it. You can find my stuff at Comic Book Herald. You can find social for the show at my marvelous year. Music is by Disaster. Anything else we need to announce? I think that's oh, it. Chuck Dixoff. It was very. It was right there. Chuck Dixoff. <laughs> Instead of Dixon. <laughs> we'll see you next year. See, see you, you next, next year. year. Good job, Charlotte. Thank you. This is why we pay you the big bucks. <laughs>